This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by our referrable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20 minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. Today, we've got an amazing guest for you. We're going to be talking about how to take your branding and uh, and really get it out to your clients, get it in front of the prospects that you want to uh, to really be in front of. So I'm talking today with uh, Matt Deutschman. He's the owner of Double Take Promotional Marketing. They're a company that specializes in custom branded promotional products for colleges and universities, for advertising and marketing agencies and, and professional service firms uh, and the finance industry. And uh, Matt founded Doubletake in, 20, uh, in 2010. Uh, it's the fourth generation in his family in the promotional marketing industry. And uh, he's just got a, an amazing background um, and, and uh, a real uh, passion for the industry and for helping uh, businesses and universities get their message out. And, uh, and interestingly enough, this is something we don't see a lot of in the guests that we, uh, that we interview. Um, not only is he married, has two, kill, two children, which is really common, but uh, he's written a children's book, which I, I think is amazing. I want to find out more about that. So uh, Matt Deutschman, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. I'm excited to have you here. Glad to join you. Thanks, Steve. So kind of give us the backstory. How did you get to this point of your career? Uh, by accident, <laughs> I guess is the, the quick way of saying it. But uh, yeah, fourth generation in my family in this industry, but never in a million years did I think uh, I'd, I'd be in this line of work. Um, I, uh, my, my great-grandfather Paul and my grandfather Maynard uh, founded the Paul May Company back in 1935. They were on the manufacturing side of the promotional products industry. They were doing um, uh, vinyl uh, office supplies and desk folders and card cases and wallets and things like that, all custom imprinted for the promotional products industry. And uh, my dad ran the company for 30 plus years. And um, just kind of by happenstance after college, um, I needed something a little more stable than what I was doing. And my dad needed some help in his office. So I started working for my dad um, and, and did so for about a year. And um, I learned a lot about the industry and about, about business in general and loved working alongside my dad, but I didn't really enjoy the work that I was doing. Um, I uh, wanted to get more involved in sales. So hmm. um, I kind of, I, I started working um, as a distributor in the industry for a different company, uh, cold calling, driving around to my, all the businesses in my hometown in New York, knocking on doors trying to sell promotional products. And um, uh, I didn't see much traction that way, but um, once I started really developing my professional network and seeing a little bit more traction, that's when I uh, just kind of got the inspiration to start my own company. So that was back in 2010. That's great. And uh, so you've been doing this now for a decade, which uh, very few businesses make it that far, uh, which uh, is, that's a huge accomplishment. And uh T tell me a little bit about that that journey from starting the company. I mean, you were familiar with the industry, but you're starting the company in sort of a different um, part of the industry than than yeah. where your family was before. Um, you start the company, you you begin to get it, it going. What was that like in the early days? Um, yeah, my dad would say that I, I 
jumped over to the dark side of the industry. Um, you know, if he and I were in business, he actually was in the process of selling the, the business. So um, he, we were never in business at the exact same time. If we were, I would have been his customer, which would have been an interesting relationship. But, um, you know, so basically back then in 2010, I, I didn't create what I would call a business. I created a, a job for myself. Um, I was doing everything. I was wearing all the hats and I was, um, I wasn't really looking at the company as a business. It wasn't really until um, 2015 when my wife and I got married and we, we uh, found out we were expecting our first child not long after our honeymoon um, that I, I really um, refocused how I was looking at running the business. And um, I, I made it my mission to restructure the way I was doing a lot of things, implement some systems and processes. You know, I, it's funny. I talked to so many entrepreneurs that 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 seminal moment when baby number one comes along is that's the motivation to really kind of get the act together in terms of running the business and not letting it overwhelm you. So, how did you begin to pull things together? I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone there. It sounds like I'm in good company then. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I uh, so you know I, I really I made it my mission to to. Um, my goal was to spend as much time with my family as possible. I didn't want to um, be in a position where I had to be tied to the business every day, all day, uh, you know, and all night in many cases. Um, I read, um, a few people recommended that I read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, and the biggest takeaway from that was to create, I think in the book, he calls it a playbook, um, where you basically, you you map out, every single step of how you operate your business from your first step of obtaining a lead all the way through how you work that lead through your sales process, how you, um, you know, for us, how we create a, a, a proposal, how we develop a project and generate ideas all the way through, um, you know, when a client places an order, how we handle production. So I created this, this, you know, step-by-step um, document, which I now call our process manual. And what, what that's become is um, it's become the, the training uh, document that we use when we onboard employees to this day. And um, it's an organic document. I still look at it as an ever-changing, uh, you know, living document that can be improved upon. And um, that, that was really that first step. Um, and, and next to each um, task or, or each step in our workflow, I made a note of whether it's something I wanted to continue doing or whether it's something I wanted to delegate um, to a member of my team. And so um, in 2016, I hired um, my first employee and she came on board as a production manager to uh, once I would um, you know, work with a client through the process of, of uh, their project once they place an order, I was able to now have someone handling that order all the way through production to ensure on-time delivery, accurate production and whatnot. And um, yeah, so that was that first step and first new member of our team. You know, it, I've talked to so many business owners who want to get to the point where they've got everything documented, but I think the thought of having to document it all sometimes seems a little bit overwhelming. And, um, and I love that you started early on, you know, really before you'd hired anybody, it sounds like. Um, 
I guess that document's probably grown in length and, and complexity over the years, but um, t- tell me a little bit about the experience though. You, you bring this first employee on, you've got this document that you can sort of hand to her to, to take care of things. Um, what was that experience like as you got freed up? I mean, did, did mm-hmm. it, was it pretty immediate? It, it wasn't immediate. And, but, but I'll tell you some of the best advice I've gotten in my 10 years in business was from um, a friend named Fernando Luciano, who, uh, who runs a printing business in New York. And he and I have referred quite a bit of business over um, to one another over the years. And when I told him what I was going through, my, my issue was, I was like, why am I like, I can do this task three times faster than this new person can do it. And not only that, I'm having to sit here and explain and train and, and teach how to do this task. Um, is it even worth it? And he gave me I mean, the best advice he gave me was just stay the course, just stick to it. It will really open up your your you know your time and your uh, productivity in the long run. And so I just I, I stuck to it, and um, you know it. And obviously, you know, as someone kind of goes along the learning curve, they get better, they get faster, they need less, uh, less input, less handholding. And I'm sure I've improved over the years as a trainer and in my process of onboarding uh, new employees, our, our company-wide learning curve has improved. So um, yeah, it wasn't, it was not immediate, but the long-term effects of finally relinquishing control and handing over um, some of the tasks in the, in the business have, have really been what's enabled us to grow um, over the last several years since making that decision. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. And, and I, you know, I see that again and again, if, if you as the owner can't get your time freed up, there's no hope for growth because there's no more capacity. Um, and so, and, and I appreciate you sharing the, that a little bit of experience because I think everybody sees that they go, you know, I, I can run circles around this new person, you know, right. I mean, you, you articulated exactly the way people say it. And then I got to stop and train them. Right. So it's taking me three or four times as long to do this, to, to sort of transition it. Then I could, then it's going to take me just to do it. Uh, but, but that, that advice to stay the course, I think is, uh, is so vital. Uh, I see so many people just get frustrated and they stop because it doesn't work perfectly the first time. You know, and uh, I've always found over the years, you've got to you've got to be willing for your people to make mistakes and okay, be okay with it. Not that you want the mistakes to go out the door, but if you don't allow them to make mistakes, there's no way they'll ever take anything off your plate. Right. Right. It's um, yeah. I think there's there's two components to that. One is you're you have to you have to kind of check their work to ensure that if, if there are mistakes being made, you're able to, to quickly rectify the problem so that you're not putting business in jeopardy. Um, but also, um, I mean, what I've learned, you know, in, in subsequent hires is hiring um, for personality and for cultural fit uh, first and foremost, ahead of just uh, ability and competence and with that, I'm able to trust my members of my team that um, once they understand like our operating philosophy and our overall, um, uh, you know, mission or core values of our business, they can 
we may have a difference of opinion on, on some things that may be judgment calls. Um, but as long as I trust them to kind of operate within the confines of the, the overall uh, philosophy of the company, um, you know, even if we have a difference of opinion on how to handle a certain judgment call, I, I can be okay with, even if, you know, with whatever that outcome may be that may differ from how I may have handled the situation. And that's freeing. That enables me to not have to be involved in every decision that is made. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, hey, I want to change gears a little bit because I want to talk a little bit about um, about the work that you guys do. And uh, and you've done some really interesting things with what, you know, with the pandemic and what's happened this year. So talk a little bit about um, your, uh, your Double Take University and how that sort of evolved and pivoted into Double Take Defenders, because I, I think it's just a, a cool story and, and a resource, I think, for a lot of businesses that are going to listen to this. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was like a pivot of a, of a pivot, I guess. Um, but we, for years, we've worked heavily with um, a lot of clients in the higher education market. So we work with a lot of uh, colleges and universities. And as a way of, of just connecting on a more deep level with those clients of ours, we developed our own mock university. So our company is Double Take Promotional Marketing, and we created Double Take University. And um, we created a whole brand profile of this, you know, fake university. And we use uh, our logo, our, you know, Double Take University logo and um, mascot in some of the the branding that we do and, and some of the mock-ups even that we create as, you know, to, to market to and connect with our higher education uh clients and prospects. Um, so the, the mascot that we came up with for Double Take University is the Double Take Defenders, because we're the defenders of your brand standards. And um, then when COVID hit in in uh, March, we, we were at first doing a lot of um, uh, medical PPE, a lot of uh, masks, uh, you know, N95 masks, and some of the, the uh, disposable masks. And um, we... Um, we then adapted that double take defenders to defending against germs. And um, when branded PPE became uh, more um, readily available and, and uh, more of a hot button, I guess you could say we, we were doing a lot of um, branded PPE kits. Um, so first for a lot of our college university clients in planning to return to campus in the, in the fall, um, we were doing branded face masks and hand sanitizers and touch gadgets and uh, all sorts of uh, PPE items. Um, and then, you know, with companies returning to office as well, we were doing a lot of those kinds of projects. So um, we created uh, a new website called doubletakedefenders.com. And it's a build your own custom PPE kit tool um, where you can go on there and there's an assortment of different masks and hand sanitizers and other uh uh, you know, brandable PPE items and you can kind of pick and choose and build your own kit. And so that's something that I think is, is really useful for, um, you know, for all types of organizations that are looking to, uh, you know, help their members of their team stay safe. Yeah. Well, I, I love the pivot and I, and it is a great resource. I, the first thing that, that I think is important to unpack here is, is really the very first step that you described, which is creating the the Double Take University. And and I, when did you guys create that? That was long before the pandemic, I assume, right? No, no it was it was it was one of our big twenty twenty goals. 
uh, oh, okay. from the wow. beginning so of the year was, right as... was to, yeah, was to launch that as a kind of a, a branding profile to, um, just more deeply connect with some of our existing target markets. And, um, so we were, we had that underway, you know, at the time that, that COVID, uh, started to play a part. And so, um, you know, we've still, we've used our double take university branding in some of our engagement with our, uh, Hired, but we didn't really get to showcase it fully before uh, we also adapted it to the PPE. Okay, well, I still I still love the approach because what you mm-hmm. were doing there is taking what what you do, what you know, the thing that you sell, and you were putting it in context for your your future customer, so that they didn't have to look at um, you know at, at somebody else's logo or a generic company logo or something like that. It was really tailored specifically to that market. And, uh, and I just, I think that's a really smart strategy that, that virtually anybody can replicate. Obviously that you have to adapt it, you know, somebody might in a different business might adapt it differently, but the idea that you're going to look at, at one of your biggest customer segments and then build an entire marketing system for them. I think that's really smart. Um, and, uh, and it sounds like you then pivoted that very effectively. So, um, give everybody the website again for PPE defenders, because there may be people here who want to do, um, kits like that for their, their clients, their customers, or for their people. Sure. It's, yeah, it's doubletakedefenders.com. Perfect. So, um, I'm curious, you know, I know you work with a lot of businesses in, in addition to the universities. For the business owners that are listening, we're recording this at, you know, in towards the end of 2020. Um, as, as you're looking out into the future, how are you seeing businesses use promotional products to connect with their customers and to, you know, maintain the relationships they have to extend into new relationships now that we're in a little bit different world? Yeah, I mean... Uh, we're in the throes of holiday gift season right now, but I think um, the the general concept behind holiday gifting is applicable uh, at all times. Um, and you know how I like to put it for our professional services and financial services clients, because that's another um, large segment of our clients. Um, I like to say that we create, uh, you know, we we um, turn clients into referral sources, and we turn employees into brand advocates. Because um, especially in, in the professional services and um, financial services industries, the the biggest asset that those types of firms have are um, their internal assets, their their people, their uh, their way of doing business. It's not a specific product usually um, to differentiate. So it's it's really um, uh, it's really important to um, really deepen relationships with uh, existing clientele show clients that they're appreciated, um, stay top of mind with existing clients because that's gonna be their number one source of referrals to new clients. Um, And then similarly, in order to attract and retain top talent to service those clients uh, and to really stand apart from other firms that uh, may do the same sort of thing, um, it's important to show employees that uh, that they're valued and that they're appreciated um, and make them proud uh, to be a part of the team. So that, that's a lot of the projects that we're working on right now in holiday season are typical of any holiday season, um, but in some ways they're kicked up a little 
to, to another level because um, firms are, are really going the extra mile to to connect with people and show people that they're appreciated because it's been a, it's been a tough year and difficult year to really forge those personal connections. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly has. Um, so c- kind of walk us through what a, um, you know, a gifting program might look like for a, a typical professional services business. Sure. Um, so this year in particular, we're running a lot of online gift stores for clients of ours. Um, because typically if you have an office of 50 people or 200 people or, or whatever, um, you, you send, uh, all the gifts in bulk to the office and maybe have a big holiday party and uh, there's a big unveiling. Um, but if nobody's there and everybody's working from home, um, the the logistical uh, wrinkle has been how to get the gifts to where the people are. So we're running a lot of um, online stores. Uh, they're like pop-up shops, branded uh, landing pages is, you know, functionally how they operate. We, we, um, uh, create them uh, with our clients' branding, so that our client can share it out to their recipients. If they're offering multiple choices of gifts, the recipient can choose their preferred gift, or if it's an apparel item, they choose their size. Um, and then, most importantly, from a logistical standpoint, um, the recipient puts in their preferred mailing address, and then we get the feed of everything on our back end, and we handle all the the shipping and distribution. So, from the front end of the project, it's all for us. It's all about understanding our client best. Uh, understanding their marketing strategy, what their brand is all about, who their target market is, how best to reach them, and then um, matching that with the promotional items that are going to be most effective at getting their message across. Yes, it sounds like you guys have had to kind of adapt and really look at a now new end-to-end solution for the whole thing. That's that's fantastic. So, Matt, if uh, if somebody's listening to this and they want to start some program like that? How do they get in touch with you? What's the best place for them to go to reach you? Sure. Um, well, our main website is makethemlooktwice.com. Um, Make Them Look Twice is our tagline uh, of Double Take, and, um, and it's our, our URL also, so makethemlooktwice.com. And then uh, I'm also available on LinkedIn, and there are not too many Matt Deutschmans out there, so it <laughs> should be easy to find. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll link all that up in the show notes. Thanks so much for investing a little bit of time with me today. It's been awesome. Good pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it.